This is the Action Network Podcast. But this one is good. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Anderson, here with Raheem Palmer late on a Sunday night to wrap up another week of football. Week 14 in the books. Holy cow. These weeks are flying by. This was another huge week for favorites. Second straight big week for favorites. Favorites today went 11 and 1 straight up, 10 and 2 against the spread. Probably should have been 11 and 1 against the spread, but you know, Browns going to Browns. We'll come back to that one for sure. Pretty mundane slate of games until we got a lot, a lot of uh, late weird comebacks that made things close. Raheem, Friday, we talked about four games. We previewed them. I picked all four. I swept the four. How you like me now? I am very, very, very angry right now because two of those games could have gone either way. One in particular was the Cleveland Browns game. We all know the Ravens had (laughs) no business covering that game. The Buffalo Bills, Bucks, I give you that one. But, I mean, you swept (laughs) the board. So, it's the NFL. If you can sweep the board in the NFL, you're doing something right. So, I'm not going to try to take your credit away, but I'm just angry because there's no reason I should have gone three and two in the contest this week. It should have been four and one at minimum, but those are the breaks. Yeah. You know, this is a week where, so I swept my top bets second week in a row, but this is one of those Sundays where whatever your outcome is, like you can't feel too good or too bad about it. Like you just, it just happened to you. And it's like, all right, these games happened. I don't know how one team covered or didn't cover or whatever. Hey, we got them right. Great. I'll take my cash and go on to next week. So We'll talk about some of these weird finishes. We will get to our hot read later and do a Monday night preview. Another good Monday night game, two in a row we got coming up. And uh, yeah, we'll get into, we're going to cover all four of those games we did Friday that ended up being the four good games this week. So uh, of course, odds today are from BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. We'll start out with that big one, Bill's Box. We thought this would be good. It didn't look good early. Box 24-3 at the half. And then it flipped. The Bills, 24-3 in the second half. We go to overtime. Tom Brady gets that MVP Heisman moment, the walk-off touchdown. Bucks win in overtime, 33-27. Tale of two halves. Which team do you think deserved to win this game? I think the Buccaneers probably deserved to win that game just based on what we saw in the first half. Look, the Bills didn't run the ball at all in the first half. Their offensive line really struggled with the Bucs defensive line. And I think the lines on both sides really were a real problem. I mean, Tom Brady kind of did whatever he wanted. Leonard Fredette was able to run the ball. So I do feel like the Bucs were the better team. I mean, what's your thoughts on this game? Yeah. I mean, when you say the Bills didn't run the ball at all, just to be totally clear what you mean by that, that's not like, oh, they tried, but they were pretty bad at it. No, the Bills literally didn't run the ball. Like they didn't call a run play the entire first half. The first design run play they called was on the opening drive of the second half, and it was a fake punt run play. If, if you count that, like Josh Allen had a few rushes, but teams are really, this is like the fifth or sixth time this year that we've seen this against Tampa in particular, 
where teams show up and they're just like, throw it out throughout the playbook, throughout the scheme. We're not going to run. We're going to not be ourselves. We do something totally different. And to be fair, in Buffalo's case, they're not a run heavy team. It's weird, though, that we keep getting this just like YOLO. We're just going to throw it all over the place. It's an interesting game because, you know, Josh Allen had a big line in this game. Allen finished up with 308 passing yards. He had two passing touchdowns, ran for 109 yards in a touchdown. Hilariously, probably his best MVP game of the season. You know, like Allen finally looked like the MVP. We talked about this game as the MVP had to had all year. And then no one really talked about Allen this game because it just didn't really matter at the end. To be fair, pretty rough on late downs. The Bills did not convert a third down, I think, until the second half uh, where they finished something like two of 13 on the day. So, yeah, I, I do think that Buffalo, uh, Tampa Bay deserved to win here, but Buffalo had a chance. You know, it, it seemed like the Bucs were starting to let things slip away in the second half. I thought that the cover was going to be in trouble. The win was in trouble. Buffalo absolutely had their chances to get the win here. They just made some crucial mistakes. I think when you look back at the end of that game and the fourth quarter, there was some controversial calls. Yeah. Stefan Diggs, that was passing the fair. We've been seeing it called all day on Gronk. We saw it called in the overtime. They didn't call that pass interference. I thought Buffalo should have called a play on third down, knowing that they were going to go for it on fourth okay. down, because you can't let Tom Brady get that ball back. At the end of the day, you got to take the lead there. Somebody asked me something, a question earlier, and I, I thought it was interesting. How many times have you seen Tom Brady with the ball needing a score to win? And not pull it off. Both Super Bowls against the Giants because they ran out of time. <laughs> and the Super Bowl against the Eagles where we had the strip sack. Yeah. You can't really name too many times where Tom Brady is not going to go down and get you a score. So, and, and, and even those Super Bowls, you know, the one, the one giant Super Bowl, literally he almost completed a Hail Mary on the last play to win the game. Like the most ridiculous play ever to win a Super Bowl. So like even, even when he doesn't do it, he still almost does do it. So yeah, I, I agree. Yes. The ref, totally missed the play, especially because then you get to overtime and Mike Evans gets the exact same pass interference call that Diggs didn't get on what seemed like, a, you know, not as bad. I think they were both pass interference, but I don't know how you call one and not the other when the Diggs call seemed worse. You should have gave the ball to Buffalo basically first and goal with, I think, like 20, 30 seconds left and a few chances to punch it in. And then the game is over, basically. You know, even even Tom needs more than like 15 seconds to get down the field. There's a reason they just knelt the ball and they got it back and went to overtime there. So, yeah, big, big day for Brady. My guy, my I've never called Tom Brady my guy in my life. I immediately regret saying that. My MVP pick, however, my 14-1 preseason pick, this is the MVP game for him. 700th career touchdown, including postseason, on that final play. By the way, if you watch the replay, watch some dude from a, like wearing a box colored shirt, come running in because the Bucks guy, Richard Perriman, passes the goal line with the winning score and drops the ball and spins it behind him. Remember when Tom broke the record earlier this year and then the ball went into the stands, Mike Evans gave it away and they had to like give away tickets and all sorts of stuff. Watch the replay. Yeah. Some dude from the Bucks staff is like trucking full speed and like goes diving in to grab the ball to make sure that they do not lose the 700th career touchdown moment. So Tom's got the 700. He's got the big play to win the game against the Bills, the game we waited all year. He broke the NFL career completions record in this game. He's leading the NFL 
in touchdowns, completions, attempts, and yards at age 44. By the way, here are the quarterbacks Tom plays the rest of the season. Taysom Hill, not a quarterback. Zach Wilson, not a quarterback yet. And then whatever the Panthers have, twice. So Tom doesn't have to play any more quarterbacks. The Bucs are going to go 14-3. and three. He's the MVP. I think this, this, this today was about Tom to me. Yeah, I definitely think he sealed it up. But, you know, I, I want to circle back on something. Singletary had four carries for 52 yards, 13 yards per carry. And then, you know, a lot of their run, running plays were Josh Allen design run. They had a 69% rushing success rate. And they generated first downs on 56% of their attempts. So I think one of the things that you're seeing, and this reminded me of the Eagles game, because in the first half of the Eagles game, the Eagles decided they weren't running the ball either. In the second half, they found some success running. What you're going to have to see going forward is that teams can't really abandon the run against this Buccaneers defense. I know they've been one of the top rushing defenses for the last three seasons. They've they kind of dropped down a little bit this year. But teams are really going to have to run the ball in order to find some success. you got to mix it up. You can't just let this Tampa Bay defensive line just rush the quarterback all day. Obviously, Indianapolis found some success, success with Jonathan Taylor. So I think that's something to look for going forward, maybe with some props and things like that. But I think if a team can run the ball, I think it, it kind of gives them a little bit of a shot against Tampa Bay. You got to keep time off the field. Yeah, it'll be interesting because so next Sunday night, the Bucs play the Saints. And we know the Saints, especially with Taysom Hill at quarterback, that's a running team. Like this is a run all day team. And so they have to run. They, they can't just have Taysom throw all day. It's going to be a disaster. So they're going to run. They've got Kamara back and Taryn Armstead back. So that should be a very interesting matchup. I actually have my eye on that one as a possible hot read. I think the Saints could be live there, even as a possible winner. We know how good they've been against Tom. They're 3-0 against Tom in the regular season while he's been in Tampa there. So, yeah, I think part of it, too. So first half, the Bucs had 44 plays to only 28 for, for the Bills. Second half, it flipped. 47 Bills plays, 28 Bucks plays. So I think that's part, two why that run game kicks in. Because the first half, the Bucks' pass rush is just all over Josh Allen. They just lived in the backfield. I think they just ran out of gas. You know, they just didn't have anything left. And so suddenly you've got these tired pass rushers not getting to Allen. He's getting some plays. He's dumping it off. And then those handoffs are gashing this tired defensive front. So, yeah, that's the key is tire this defense out because you're getting the defense is beatable. We've seen that. This is not an invincible Tampa Bay defense. The offense may be invincible. They can run at you. They can power run. They can throw it underneath. They can hit you deep. You don't want them on the field. So keep your team on the field. Keep their defense on the field. That's the matchup you want on this team. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Definitely. I agree with that. So this game reminded me of a game that we watched last year and if it, if it is, it's good news for Bills fans. Reminded me of Bucks Chiefs last year. Not the Super Bowl, but the one that happened end of November. 27-24, so the Chiefs go up 20-7 at the half, and they hang on late. The Bucks made a big comeback. They scored two touchdowns late. Huge yards, huge offense. Tony Romo on the call at the end of the game said, like, he was all excited because it's Tony Romo, and he's like, this might be the Super Bowl. And remember, the Bucs were not what we thought they were yet. They were like, they were just going into the bye week. And then they exploded out of it, went on to win the Super Bowl. So they didn't win that game. They came up short. But uh, that's not so bad news for the Bills. The Bills kind of had that big comeback. They came up short here. They are 7-6. and six. They're, they're, they're not even necessarily in the playoffs at this point. But soft schedule, I think they're fine. 
What do we think? Possible Super Bowl preview here? They really haven't beaten anybody all year long. They're just three and six when facing teams other than the Dolphins, Jets, and the Texans. And even though they made a violent comeback, it's just it's, it's just really tough to put them in that elite position. Now, obviously, they have an easier schedule coming up. Obviously, they got to play New England again, but they're playing the Carolina Panthers, the Atlanta Falcons, the New York Jets. It's all winnable games. So maybe if they could find a way to sneak out that division and get some home games, it's going to be tough for teams to go in there in Buffalo and beat this team. But besides that, I just – it's tough to be that high on this team. Obviously, they lost Darius White. It really comes down to your faith in Josh Allen. Do you think Josh Allen can elevate his team and be a, a top five quarterback? Because if he can't, then this team's not going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, mean, I think that that's fair. And, you know, I've been very critical of Josh Allen throughout the year and throughout his career, but this is a pretty good game for him. And he's he's really showed up in these big games. He's showed up in these moments. And I know I, I actually feel maybe about as good as I felt about the bills this season after this game, even with the loss, I might be looking to see if there's a buy low opportunity for Buffalo, especially if they end up losing that new England game, then there really will be a low price out there. I'm not sure the price will be dropped so far out. Our guy, Steve Kornacki at NBC uh, had the bills 88% to make the playoffs before this last week. So before the Patriots game down to 66% now, eh, this guy's not falling. That's still likely to make the playoffs. 59% to make the division down to 22% now. Eh, the ship may have sailed on that one. So the Bills are probably not going to do the hard way in the wild card game. But this Bills team, the one that responded in the second half, that defense shut down the juggernaut offense, held them to only three the whole second half. Josh Allen making plays. That team, the second half team that we saw, that team can come out of the AFC. As weak as the AFC is, that team could do it. So I. I think both teams end up impressing me on this one. I feel pretty good about both their chances to make a run here. Yeah, I could definitely definitely see that. I can definitely see that. So as we watch that one, if I'm on red zone and we got dueling overtime games, I'm freaking out because I got money on the Bucs. I got my Tom Brady MVP ticket. And at the exact same time in overtime, flipping back and forth is the Niners Bengals game. And I've got my biggest position of the entire season on the Niners. I gave them out on the look ahead. I gave them out on the hot read. I gave them out on best bets again. I bet it again Saturday night when it looked like Debo Samuel was going to play. The Bengals opened as two and a half point favorites. They closed as two and a half point dogs. The Niners control the game most of the way. 20 to six heading into the fourth quarter. 10 minutes left. Bengals come all the way back. Push it to overtime. Kick the field goal to take the lead. But of course, Niners still get one more chance. And they walk it off with a touchdown. 29-26 overtime winner. Niners cover all the lines. Whichever line you got, the Niners got the cover. Had it all the way, right? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. When I look at this game, I'm going to be honest, I think it said a lot about the Cincinnati Bengals. When you look at their metrics, on passing downs, they had a 45% success rate, generated first downs on 43% of their their plays. On early passing, they had a 50% success rate, generating 47%. When you look at early rushes, 36% success rate. You look at rushing in general, 38% success rate. I felt like this is a team that put themselves behind the eight ball running so much on early downs. And you saw when they were chasing points, they they were able to get whatever they want in the passing game. So 49ers secondary, that's pretty much missing everybody. Jamar Chase was pretty much unstoppable. Joe Burrow, 25 of 34, 348 yards, two touchdowns. 
it was kind of frustrating watching the Cincinnati Bengals just put together a poor game plan, but I was on San Francisco, so I was kind of happy to see it. <laughs> but it's just like you look at this team and it's just like this is probably a game Cincinnati Bengals probably should have won if they had an optimal game. Yeah, I agree. This this is not, you know, and I, I, I said tongue in cheek that the Niners had it all the way. The Bengals, I think, maybe look like the better team here. The Bengals definitely should feel like they blew this game. They did blow this game. They're one of five in the red zone. And that's another thing, too, you didn't mention was Zach Taylor. Just not aggressive enough. Just just not willing to go for the kill. They keep driving it all game, but then settling for these field goals. Then two field goals in the red zone. They missed a field goal in the red zone. Um, they In overtime, they're driving again. They get the ball right away. They've got the momentum. They've had these two late scores. They quick first play, I think, to T. Higgins, get to like the 50. They get the ball again. They're immediately in field goal range in like the first minute. And then they do the thing that, teams doing overtime and just like like how many times did the Bengals have a good play and then it's first down and it's just like mixing straight into the middle of the line for a yard or two and it's just what they do over and over again they they just overcommit to the run and the run game is not going well for them right now and the Niners have a good run defense and you you put yourself in these bad positions all game and then they go conservative they kick the field goal the Niners get the ball back and are not conservative the Niners are attacking downfield George Kittle, absolute beast in this game. Second straight game. He shredded the Seahawks last week. He shredded the Bengals today. Monster line. What did he have in this one? He had uh, 13 catches, 151 yards, and a touchdown. Huge plays in the late drive to get the Niners into field goal position. That should have won. They missed it to go to overtime. And then another couple huge plays on that game-winning overtime drive. Dude is a cheat code on third downs. Just throwing the ball. Oh, yeah, he's an absolute monster. It just felt like every single play down the stretch. I saw you tweet it. At one point, you tweeted, let me guess who's going to get the ball, George <laughs> Kittle. And it, it was just like they had nothing to stop him. Even when at the, at the end of regulation, when Jimmy G looks like he's overthrowing him, George Kittle just rises up and, and brings that ball Great in. Catch. So I, I got to give the Niners some credit, even though the, the Bengals probably didn't play optimally. But the offense is rolling right now. I think Jimmy G, he, he kind of took a, a little bit more sacks than I was like hoping for. But I mean, this offense is playing really well. They did the best they could in terms of being able to cover up for the lack of corners out there today. And I, I do think they probably should have been a, a little bit more aggressive earlier on the fourth, fourth quarter to shut the door. But it's a big win for the 49ers. Do you think they can cause some problems in the NFC? That's a good question because I've had I've really had my eye on this team. I've been talking them up for a few weeks now. Today, for me, I this was again, I bet more on this game than I had on any game so far of the year. This was the one, the spot that I loved. I think it was a misread. I got it right, but this was not a dominant win for the Niners. This was a win that they escaped with. And watching this game to me, seeing Jimmy Garoppolo made me be like, oh, that's right. Still Jimmy Garoppolo. You still can't put too much faith in him. His, his late downs, especially, really bad on late down, negative 0.35 EPA per play on late downs. And again, should have been worse, but George Kittle is bailing him out over and over again with some of those plays. So, yeah, when it gets to the playoff game, the Niners are, at best, going to be a wild card. That's probably what they're going to be now. They're, they're f- feeling pretty good about their position. They're going to be a matchup-dependent team because once they get Elijah Mitchell back, 
you know, they're going to run the ball well. And there's certain teams that just can't stop the run. But at the end of the day, it's a playoff game. They're probably not going to win by a lot. So best case scenario, you probably got Jimmy G on the road having to make the plays. And he did it today. They got the winning touchdown. But was that Jimmy making the plays or was that his guys and the schemes getting there? I don't know. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Niners win a playoff game. But today was a bit of a reality check to me to maybe not get too excited. This is not like the Bucks last year that got hot on offense and can make, win four games. Jimmy G is not winning four games, three on the road. It's not happening. Five for 15 on third down. You know, I do want to give him credit for he had back-to-back drop to lead the team down the field. And that's not an easy thing to do. So you got to yeah. give him a little bit of credit there. But like you said before, it's just, it's tough to trust this team. And then when you have that many cluster injuries in the secondary in today's NFL, you're just not going to beat many teams, especially in a passing league. I think the 49ers are probably, even if they make it to the playoffs, they're probably a quick out. And that's going to lead us to the stink of the week. Smell it, smell it, smell it. It's the smell. It's quite pungent. Dude, plug your nose. It stinks. This is your stink of the week. In Cleveland, Baltimore, Cleveland. We talked about this weird scheduling spot. We knew it was coming. And then it looked all the part early. Cleveland smashes Baltimore. 17-0 right out of the gates. Lamar Jackson hurts his ankle. He's out. Turn the game off. It's over. And then just absolute disastrous collapse. And I know that you're on the Browns, and I'm going to let you take it from here. What happened to the Browns today? I think what happened to the Browns is basically the offense is bad. At the end of the day, Baker Mayfield, and I think this is this is part of the handicap that I probably missed, Baker Mayfield, he's proven that he probably shouldn't even be out there. Case Keenum should probably be playing. He was 22 of 32 for 190 yards two touchdowns, one interception. This team has had plenty of times, chances to put this game away. The Browns have only, they failed the top 17 points for like the last month. And what it comes down to is that, and this is very similar to the 49ers game, is that regardless of the lead that you have, you can't go the entire second half without scoring points because you're leaving your defense on the field regardless of how well they're playing. And you're allowing the other team's offense to, to mount a comeback. And I think Cleveland, they're in trouble. And a lot of that has to do with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, so 17-0, 24-3. But remember, that touchdown was not an offensive score. That was just Miles Garrett being the defensive player of the year. Comes off of one end, sacks the quarterback, strips the ball, comes all the way across the field to the other side, picks it up and goes in for the touchdown. First of his career somehow, I didn't know that was the case. But so it's 24 to three, they don't score again. They literally don't score another point after that. Here's some of the Browns drives they had from that point forward. So 17, nothing from there, the rest of the game, the Browns have drives of zero plays, two plays, two, three, three, and four. Those are all Browns drives. Even better, they had a 10 play drive for 16 yards. I, I don't even really know how you do that. How do you run 10 plays for 16 yards I, yeah, that, that was how they opened the second half. Great, great uh, halftime talk, coach. And they, and they also had the missed field goal. Like, the one missed field goal, that, that, that's the cover right there. And then yep. even more tragic is that with, like, five minutes to go, the Ravens get called for intentional grounding penalty. 
So they punt, and the Browns actually get the, the ball in Baltimore territory with six minutes to go left in the game. And look, you drive 10, you drive 10 yards, you pretty much kick a field goal. You pretty much ice the game. And instead, they run twice. Nick Chubb gets stopped. Baker Mayfield, short left pass to Donovan Peoples-Jones, Baltimore 43, and then they punt. And then before you know it, Huntley is driving down the field. He gets two fourth downs. The big, the big fourth down catch was just put them at the eight. And before you know it, Baltimore is scoring, and they cover the game. So it's just at some point your offense has to do something, and it's just tragic that they're continuing to stick with Baker Mayfield even though he's not healthy. And I think going forward, you kind of have to put the Browns on a list where it's like, how can you back this team laying points to anybody else when you don't have a consistent quarterback who can make the throws and, and, and do things? You can't give up. So Tyler Huntley, not terrible in this play. Even had a couple of nice little runs there that remind you of Lamar Jackson. But you can't have this big of a lead in this game, a team that you've prepared for for three weeks, your rival who stole the team from you, your season on the line, and their backup quarterback, and you allow him to march 14 plays, 90 yards down the field for the touchdown. And I, honestly, I, I think Cleveland is extremely lucky not to lose this game. So that touchdown comes down nine or up nine for the Browns. So suddenly the Ravens are down two, recover the onside kick. I thought it was over. Like we got Justin Tucker. You could put, bring him on the field now. He could probably kick like an 80 yarder for the win. And the, the Browns get the game saved by their defense. Jadevian Clowney has a huge sack. to make it third and 20. Denzel Ward, big tackle to end the game. And the Browns escape here, but the Ravens had almost a hundred more yards this game and they lost the turnover battle. They had 10 penalties for 125 yards. Baltimore is one of 13 on third down. They gave up a defensive touchdown. They still should have won. The Browns had everything in their favor and still barely by the skin of their teeth escaped here. It's, I, I do not feel good. I don't feel good about either one of these teams, to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. I think you look at this game and you have to wonder if, if Lamar Jackson doesn't get hurt, maybe they, the, the Ravens probably win this game and they probably win it by a touchdown. Yeah, it's like they might win comfortably at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause I mean, when you really sit down and think about it, the fumble return was Huntley that that wasn't Lamar Jackson. So it's, it's like the Ravens have had these slow starts all year. And for whatever reason, Lamar Jackson gets to go in the second half and, Huntley follows suit, but I think Lamar Jackson out there, they probably win that game. So next week, it's so interesting. Cleveland is actually, they open as five and a half point favorites, and now they're now laying upwards of six, six and a half within the market. So the public is all over the Cleveland Browns and might be willing to go with the Raiders, even though they've taken a step back. Obviously, Darren Wild has been hurt, and this isn't the same team that we saw with John Gruden, but I don't know how you can lay points with this Cleveland Browns team. Yeah, I agree. I can't believe that line went up. I had that as a possible hot read, except that the money's already coming on Cleveland, and I like the Raiders, so what's the rush? Like, this might even get to seven if we get lucky here. Yeah, I'm and, thinking the same thing. Yeah, I just, Saturday I, like, afternoon, let's just... this has that, uh, and we've talked about this, that, that ugly, that first playoff game feel, this has one of those like ten to nine final score disaster games written all over. Like, the Raiders like, please, please right get now. to seven. If this gets to seven, oh, it's, it's hammer time. Absolutely. 
Yeah, so this this was our stink of the week. Browns blow the two and a half point cover, winning 24-22 on that play, uh, just barely getting over and blown cover on the under as well. It was uh, the total ended at 44. So that late touchdown got us to 46 and hit the over there as well. So rough one for betters on that one. I don't even know what to make of this division. We're not going to talk about it, but right now the Ravens and Browns are basically even odds on the division. Plus 165 Baltimore, plus 175 for Cleveland. Baltimore is a game up at eight and five, but they're one and three in the division. Cincinnati and Cleveland are one game back. Pittsburgh, somehow the walking zombies still in the mix at six, six and one. I have no idea. I know we'll come back to this division again and again. All I really know is all four of these teams are terrible. So I, I, somebody has to win the division. Maybe we can get a couple teams into the playoffs here, but we're just going to keep seeing these very average teams play each other down the stretch. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm really excited to see. And even Pittsburgh, they look like they, they've kind of found something. So I don't think you can necessarily count them out the way they've been playing. This is going to come down to the wire. And obviously <laughs> yes. at the end of the day, you've got all these divisional games. You got Cleveland seven and six. You got Cincinnati Bengals seven seven and six, and who knows what the status is on Lamar Jackson? So who knows if we see him next week? That's this is definitely a, this I, is definitely a future. I'm I'm, I'm kind of I want to I want to look at this division and see if we can find some value. Yeah, we, we might have to come back to this one on on one of our Fridays soon and see see if we can figure out this one out. I agree. Pittsburgh is live, and uh, there's a little a little spoiler alert. We'll be coming back to Pittsburgh when we get to the hot read. One more game here before we get to our Monday night preview. You're Dallas Cowboys in Washington, 27-20, heroically covering the spread. This one closed at six and a half. Washington gets the late touchdown and misses the extra point to finish down seven and cover all those Dallas covers, all that public Dallas money. Never should have been close, though. Dallas was up 18-0 in the first quarter, 24-0 at the half, and almost blew it. What'd you make of the Washington comeback here? Are you worried at all? We saw this line actually opened up. Cowboys minus five. It got pushed down to about three and a half before another sharp group actually hit it at three and a half, pushing this line back up. And then the public was all over the Cowboys. Public in Vegas pushed this line all the way up to six and a half. And of course, you never want to lay the worst of it. But I was on the Cowboys today in, in my contest. I think I grabbed some four and a half. I got some three and a half. I really love the Cowboys, but the offense didn't impress me today. I think the defense was won the game for them. The offense was really, really, really disappointing to me. Dak Prescott threw two interceptions. Obviously, you had Tyron Smith out with the injury. Lillian Collins got hurt. But this team really struggled in the red zone. They were one for six in the red zone against this Washington defense, which is just 30th in EPA per play. I expected this offense to do a lot more and they just didn't, they just didn't do it for me. Like you can't have all these rezo opportunities and, and find yourself kicking field goals. It was just frustrating to watch. But at the same time, you saw Mika Parsons on defense, like he, he's just yeah. doing everything. And this Cowboys team, they had the defense to make themselves a Super Bowl contender. If they can get the offense rolling, I think they're there, but right now the offense has just been stagnant for a while. And I know you said that, you had it in your column that a lot of it had to do with injuries. And I thought the same thing, but it's pretty clear that there's something missing. And I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, I agree. I thought this would be a get right spot for the offense. And they, they didn't get right. Dak didn't look good. I agree with what you said. The story of this game to me was the, the defensive line for the Cowboys. 
Michael Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory. This was the first game all season that they three played healthy together. Each one of those guys had at least one sack and at least two quarterback hits. That trio finished with four sacks, six QB hits, an interception, and two fumbles forced, one of which became a touchdown, the winning touchdown, basically. So that was the story of the game. Taylor Heineke's been putting up these great EPAs and CPOEs and all of our advanced metrics. Taylor Heineke was hot garbage today. He was so bad. He was 11 of 25 for 122 yards through an interception. He got sacked four times. Taylor Heineke has negative 0.62 EPA per play. He finished with minus 22 EPA. He didn't even play the whole game. He missed like a quarter of the game and he was awful in this game, but he was awful because he was under pressure all game. That defensive line, that's a Super Bowl defensive line. And the offense can still be a Super Bowl offense. They need to get the, their line healthy, get Tyron back out there. To me, I don't mind that Washington came back here. I like what I saw from Dallas. This is a team that I'm looking, I'm looking at a buy low spot. If I can find one, I'm going to try to get a spot and get some money in on the Cowboys. We talked about them preseason, but I'm going to look for another spot. This is a team that I think is getting healthy and is, is a real Super Bowl contender on both sides of the ball. Like, I want to agree with you so bad, but <laughs> I just don't know if I can trust Mike McCarthy, and I don't know if I can trust this offense right now. I think Dak Prescott's really got to get it together. I mean, he threw the, the crucial interception, which brought this within one score, and pretty much, if they make that extra point, Washington has a chance to get the ball back and score and, and win. win the game Win yeah. the game after being down 24 Nothing. So you just can't make type of throws like that. And I I think we've been seeing that so much through the last couple of weeks with the Cowboys and the run game really isn't explosive right now. Ezekiel Elliott, just 12 carries, 45 yards. Pollard wasn't out there. So I'm really, really worried about this Cowboys offense. I mean, look, early rushes, they had 36% success rate. Early pass, 37% 37 success rate. When you look at their success rate in general, just 38% in pass, 43% in rushes. So it's just this offense has to do a lot better to me. If they can, then I think this is a Super Bowl caliber team. But right now, you you, you got to match point for point with Tom Brady. You've got to match point for point for Aaron Rodgers. You've got to match point for point with Kyler Murray. That's that's the top three teams in the in the NFC, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that that's true, but I would say to that, you the, the Cowboys have the defense of those four teams that I would feel best putting on the field right now. So a good way to match point for point with those quarterbacks is having a defense that can limit those quarterbacks, get after those quarterbacks, and then get your team the ball back in better field position. So I don't know, I, I guess I'm a little more optimistic about your Cowboys than you, but we'll see. I mean, are we sure we putting them, I mean... Are we really putting them over Tampa's defense? Oh, I'm Are definitely we... putting them over Tampa. I was considering Arizona as the one that I might put ahead of them. Tampa's defense has not been that good, and that secondary is very beatable. So I, I do think the secondary is beatable, but I, I think even when you look at a guy like Diggs, Diggs is going to get those interceptions, but he's going to gamble. And I think that's that's the issue I have yeah. with them. I think Tampa Bay is, probably has the better pass rush than the Cowboys. I, I think – the secondaries are kind of neck and neck. And I think that's why you saw those two teams play so close. The Packers defense, I'm not buying it at all. They lost a ton of guys. 
and somehow for a four or five week stretch, they got better. And we kind of we're, we're seeing it over the last couple of weeks. They kind of start to come down to earth. So, I mean, maybe you are right. Maybe you're right. They're probably one of the better defenses out of those top tier teams. Uh, all I know is I'm really excited for the NFC playoffs. You know, I feel great about the Cardinals right now. We'll talk about them shortly in our Monday night preview. I talked about, you know, we like the Bucks. I like the Cowboys. The, the Packers, for what they are, they're getting all their stars back healthy soon. They're finally getting some of these names, Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith and Bakhtiari, all back soon. Boy, those are the four best teams, I think, in the NFL. And we get, we're going to get to see them probably play in the NFC semis and the NFC conference championship. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the playoffs there. I'm very, I'm really looking forward to it. And I think one thing I want to say is I actually want to look for a number on the NFC to win the Super Bowl because I think the, the Super Bowl is coming out of the NFC. I, I'm not really high on the AFC at all. I think if you can get the NFC minus like 110 or 116, I think you've got to take it. Outside of Kansas City, there's not a team in the AFC that I think would be favored over a team in the NFC. I don't think the Chiefs are a favorite either. I think any of those four teams we just talked about are favored over any AFC team. So, yeah, I, I brought that up like a month ago and, and uh, as a possibility. And at that point, I think it was like the Titans were the AFC team. And <laughs> I remember who was supposed to be good then. Now it's the Patriots and maybe it's the Chiefs again. Maybe it was the Chiefs and then it wasn't the Chiefs and now it's back to the Chiefs. But yeah, I, I like the NFC versus AFC, but going to be interesting. Only a month, uh, four weeks of games left, uh, but let's wrap up the rest of Sunday's action here for week 14. The Bears play the perfect first half Sunday night, three long touchdowns. The game exploded for 42 points in the second quarter to nearly hit the over just in that quarter alone. But Aaron Rodgers did what he does, 341 yards and four touchdowns. Packers come from back down 10 to win 45-30 and get the cover. Rough one if you bet the Bears, plus 11 and a half. Chicago is up 10 in the second quarter and blows that. They're down 18 with a minute left and kick the field goal with a chance to get the cover. Come on, Matt Nagy. Aaron Rodgers still owns Chicago. Score Gami in Kansas City. Chiefs demolished the Raiders 48 to 9. Story of this game to me was Kansas City's defense, not the offense as much. Chiefs forced five turnovers from Vegas, four on the Raiders' side of the field. This is the sixth straight game the Chiefs have held an opponent under 18 points. Cam Newton got benched a second straight game as the Panthers fall the Falcons 29-21. Another short underdog win, and Atlanta somehow in a tie for the final playoff spot in the NFC. So glad to see you, Atlanta. Saints beat the Jets 30-9 as Alvin Kamara and Taron Armstrong are back. Game stayed under the 42, and Taysom Hill starts are now 5-1 and one to the under. All six starts at 46 points or less. Saints, too, are tied for that last NFC wildcard spot. The Titans blanked the Jaguars 20 to nothing in a game where neither offense really showed up. Tennessee had the ball 37 minutes and intercepted Trevor Lawrence four times, but only 3.8 yards per play, same as Jacksonville. Ugly game. Houston hung around for three quarters, but the Seahawks pulled away late for a 33-13 win, cover, and over. Seattle had eight plays of 22 yards or more. Russell Wilson starting to look a little more healthy lately. Uh, speaking of health, we did not know who's going to play for the Chargers or Giants all week long, but LA ended up getting most of their guys back and rolled to a 37-21 win. That wasn't even that close. Chargers 8-5 and five now, one game back in the division, one game back in the AFC one seed, hosting the Chiefs Thursday night. That's our next one coming up. That's going to be a good one. And an emotional Broncos team 
took the home field with 10 men in the huddle on the first play to honor Demarius Thomas. Denver crushed the Lions 38-10. They've now covered all seven of their wins. This is the first win that did not go under for Denver, thanks to a late Broncos touchdown. But that touchdown capped an 88-yard drive in honor of number 88. Beautiful moment there in Denver. All right, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor and get to Monday Night Football. The Action Network podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. And to celebrate the 2021 NFL season, BetMGM is offering a great sign-up offer for our listeners, a $1,000 risk-free first bet. You just open an account at BetMGM and make your first deposit. Then make your first bet. If that bet wins, the money is yours. And if your bet doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $1,000. It's that simple. To get started, just click on the link in this episode description. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the best features for NFL betting, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, BetMGM is compatible with our BetSync technology, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the show. All right, Monday night, we've got a second straight big division game, a really good one. The Los Angeles Rams head to the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals are two and a half point favorites. The Rams are plus 120 to the money line, and the total is at 51 and a half. We've got a good one. These are the two teams that have battled atop the division all year. The Cardinals had a big win in LA earlier this year, 37 20. That kind of flipped the narrative on the division. What do you think? Are the Cardinals going to sweep the division here or are the Rams going to get the comeback? This is a really tough game for me because, look, when you look at this number, plus two and a half, it says that this is a side where you should be taking the Rams. But I'm not buying it. Like, who has this Rams team beaten all year long? They, they really haven't beaten anybody. Like, obviously, they beat Indianapolis. They beat Tampa Bay. But for the most part, their wins have come against the bottom feeders, Houston, Detroit, the Giants, a banged-up Seattle team. And you look at Matthew Stafford, how can we trust this guy? Like, he hasn't really truly been healthy. So, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of – I'm not going to be playing this one, but if I did – I would play the Arizona Cardinals. I think this is a team that's just been rolling all season long, top in offense and defense. So I think that's where I'm looking. What's your thoughts on this game? Yeah, the Rams are on a, a really bad trajectory. I think your decision on this game has to come down to, am I going to play what I've seen from the whole season? Or am I going to play what I've seen from the last six weeks? Because it's a very different answer, depending on which one of those you pick. The whole season, we've got the Rams Sixth in DVOA, Cardinals fifth. So they're basically equal. The Rams are top five on offense in DVOA. Cardinals are number two on passing offense. Sounds like a great matchup. That's the season numbers. But now zoom in. 
So the Rams trajectory we talked about, you talked about that just now. Rams start out three and zero. They're looking like a juggernaut, just like every September, every Sean McVay September. It's the Rams. They're going to win the Super Bowl this year. And then what was week four? That's the Cardinals game, 37-20. I was totally wrong on that. I was all over the Rams in that game. And I did not. It took me like half the year to finally believe in this Cardinals team. I believe now. They keep showing up. They keep coming through. And so the Cardinals win that game, 37-20. Absolutely dominated them. And yeah, the Rams have done nothing since then. Like you said, the wins are Seattle, Giants, Lions, Texans and Jaguars, just nothing, nothing there. And the other three games you didn't mention, the Titans, the Niners, and the Packers, not even competitive. They they got crushed in all three of those games. They they were not even close to winning any of those three. So what have we learned about the Rams? Like they they're beating all these bad teams. Those five we listed is basically the list of the five teams eliminated from the playoffs. Like we got like 27 teams still alive in the playoffs and then five teams that the Rams have beaten. Like that's, that's the list. And they play anyone even kind of good. Like the Titans aren't that great. The Niners are barely in the playoff hunt right now still, but they're blowing the Rams out basically. So why are the Rams even favorite, like only within a couple of points here, should the Cardinals be favored by more if it's this big of a difference? Full season numbers. I think two and a half is the right number. When I look at my model, just some models that have Arizona first, Rams around fifth. So, I mean, they did beat Tampa Bay, so that's going to push their power rating up. But when I look at these two teams from a football perspective, the Rams can't run the ball. They can't run the ball, and then they probably lost their second-best receiver. I look at Cooper Cup and Robert Woods as 1A and 1B. You can put them neck and neck. They're both equally as important to the offense. And you replace Robert Woods with the shell of Odell Beckham, and what do you get? And then you have a Matthew Stafford who's been banged up. I I just don't see how you could play this team getting plus two and a half. Maybe, like, I think if I'm looking at this game, maybe you play some under. Maybe you'll get a a defensive game. As you typically see a lot of these divisional games, they tend to play tougher in the second matchup. I'm not playing the Rams in the spot. I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't care how much sharp money is on the Rams. I'm looking at Arizona. Yeah, so I, I mentioned that the big picture versus the recent six weeks. So here's the last six weeks. The Rams over the past six weeks by EPA, expected points added, are only ahead of four teams in the entire NFL. Their offense ranks 28th in EPA over the mm-hmm. last six weeks. And yeah, they, they lost Robert Woods. They haven't been totally healthy. Guys, it's football. Like, there are injuries. You got to roll with the punches. Guess who else had injuries? The Cardinals. They're missing Kyler Murray for three weeks. He was hurt in a fourth one of those. They're missing Dander Hopkins for three of those. The Cardinals in EPA the last six weeks, during all of those injuries I just said, are second in the NFL in EPA. They're number two on offense. Despite missing Kyler Murray for three of those games, and it's a bye week, and it's an ugly rain game in Chicago with Kyler's return, and there's an injury game, Kyler against Green Bay. That's it. That's the whole six weeks. And they're still second in EPN offense, number one in passing offense. And the Rams are 28th. So it's a problem. If you look at just the last six weeks, this is not a two and a half point line. This is a really good Super Bowl contending team playing a team that basically grades out like the, the Jets or the Texans or the Jaguars. Like that's how bad the numbers are right now. Matt Stafford, we talk about EPA and plus 
completion over expectation as a good way to kind of rate quarterbacks overall. Out of 33 quarterbacks the last six weeks, Matt Stafford ranks 30th. He's ahead of Tyrod Taylor, Trevor Simeon, and Trevor Lawrence. That's it. Matt Stafford has been terrible. We've got reports he's not healthy. We know that the Rams aren't healthy. We know they can't run the ball, which would be nice here because the Cardinals' run defense has been very beatable lately. So that, I, I really like the Cardinals here. I, I would This actually would have been one of my favorite plays of the week, except that there's a lot of trappiness about this. We're seeing all that sharp money come in. There are a lot of trends here. We've seen short road dogs be great this season. McVay is free one and one against the spread against Cliff Kingsbury. So I'm being a little cautious here just because this is such a big moment here for the Rams. But by, by what I'm seeing from these teams, the Cardinals are just so much better right now. I totally agree with you. And I, like, I think sometimes Joe, the public wins too. And I think we saw a lot of that <laughs> on Sunday. And I think that could possibly continue here. So sometimes you gotta, you gotta recognize when maybe the sharps are wrong. The sharps are going to lose. 40% of the time or so. So this could be one of those spots. I'm personally not going to play it, but I think uh, if you're going to play it, play the game, then roll with Arizona. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to play it. I'm betting the Cardinals. I'll take them at two or two and a half. If it gets to three, I think it's maybe a little bit too late. You don't want that key number involved there. But to me, this game feels a little bit like what I thought on Sunday, Dallas against Washington. It was a close line, at least opening. I just thought Dallas was a way better team, totally different universe. And it looked that way for most of the game. Tampa and Buffalo. I thought the same thing. I thought the Bucs were just a much better complete team. And they looked apart for the first half. Again, things came back late. So I just think in this game, the Cardinals are the complete team. They're the team that's playing well right now. They're the team that actually with all the other teams that have been, are they really good? I don't know. The Cardinals just, somehow proved that they were by winning even without their top players. And no one really seemed to notice. So I think Arizona is going to win this game. I think we're going to have to really take them seriously after they do. So I wouldn't be surprised too, if they win this relatively comfortably, I'm just not sure that Matt Stafford is ready to go on the road and, and get a big win here. When, when has he done that ever in his career? It's just not a thing that he does playing well against, you know, good teams and a great team in this case. So you're going to pass or lean Cardinals. I'm going to play the Cardinals. I'll, I'll take a shot here. I feel good about Arizona. I lost a lot of money betting against Arizona the first half of the year. I need to get it back now. I think Arizona is, is a good team. So let's get to our week 15 hot read before we get you out of here. Hot wrap. Blue 17. Oh, nice rights. Ice cream. Jose. Buda Raiders. I'm going to go first here. I'm going to go with a pick that has been tried and true that you've heard a lot of this year. I'm taking Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers as an underdog because they keep giving them to us an underdog and I'm going to keep on taking them. Pittsburgh is home against the Tennessee Titans. If you've listened at all this year, you know, we have been awaiting for spots to bet against Tennessee the entire year. This is a great spot to do it. Mike Vrabel in toss up games, eight, 13 and a one against the spread, including one and two this year. So not a good spot there. And Mike Tomlin, that's who you want to back. As an underdog, Mike Tomlin, 43-22-2 and two against the spread as an underdog. 66% cover rate, including 5-3 and three this year. Even better, week five forward, Mike Tomlin as an underdog. 35-13 and 13 against the spread, 72% hit rate. Even better, Mike Tomlin as a home underdog, 13-3 and three against the spread. 81% hit rate, 
And the last five times, he's won outright as a home underdog. So I'm on the Steelers here. I know the Titans just won a shutout today. It's against the Jaguars. They averaged under four yards of play. Tennessee did. They won the turnover battle. They won time of possession. Not impressive to win 20-0 over Jacksonville. I got Pittsburgh. I don't play the money line. I think Pittsburgh wins this one. I like backing them in this spot. I mean, anytime you get Pittsburgh as an underdog, especially against a Titans team that really just, to me, they lack an identity. They don't have Derrick Henry. Obviously, A.J. Brown's been banged up. Julio's in the lineup, but he's not, he's not the same guy. So I, I like the spot for Pittsburgh. We talked about this earlier. If we're right, if Pittsburgh does get this win, that could be a good spot to bet Pittsburgh to make the playoffs, maybe even win the division. They, they go to Baltimore to end the season. So that could be a spot where they have a chance to win and get in. And it might be a spot to fade Tennessee, who is starting to fall. The Colts have quietly moved into playoff positioning. So I don't have to check the odds on this, but if we're right that Pittsburgh gets the win here, it can really flip things for both of these teams. So interesting to see there. I mentioned the Colts. I think that is your hot read this week. Tell me about the Colts. Okay, when you look at this New England Patriots team, they finally reached the top of the market. I know they've won seven straight games, but look at who those games have come against. They come against the New York Jets, the Los Angeles Chargers, who were struggling in the midst of, they were, they were just getting dominated at the time, the Carolina Panthers. Cleveland Browns with a, a banged up Baker Mayfield, Atlanta Falcons, Tennessee Titans. Obviously, they beat Buffalo, but they beat Buffalo in at a time where you had severe weather conditions in the wind. And when you look at this New England defense, they could be passed upon. I just think New England has found themselves in good situational spots. Even you look at that, that Buccaneers game, it somehow it's just, I don't know what Belichick does to the weather, but it was raining. <laughs> Look, I, I think this Indianapolis Colts team is probably the best team they faced in months. And they can run the ball. They can pass the ball. They have a solid defense. I think this is the come-down-to-earth moment for the New England Patriots. They finally drop a game. So I'm taking the Colts at plus two. This line probably won't even be there. So I think I got to take this now. Hold on. You said that you think this is the hardest team that the Patriots have played in a month. They just played the Bills six days ago. You think the Colts are better than the Bills right now? I do. I'm going to be honest with you. I think the Colts are the best, the second best team in the AFC. Behind the Patriots? No, behind the Chiefs. Behind the Chiefs. Okay. All right. Well, that's very interesting. I do. I like the matchup here for the Colts run game. The Patriots are a team that you can run on. So I like that matchup. The Colts can win in the trenches. Interesting, too. These teams are both on the bye week. This morning, Sunday morning, Patriots are favored in this game, minus one. And it's now at Colts, minus one, minus one and a half at most books. So even with both teams off, like we always expect the lines to shift around on a Sunday. These teams didn't play. Nothing happened. But people are, the money is coming in already on Indianapolis anyway. So it's a very interesting spot here. Yeah, I love the Colts in the spot. I just think at some point, New England has to come down to earth. The second straight roll game, give me Indianapolis. I think the Colts are a complete team. There's a part of me that wants to put a future in on them, but I'm going to sit tight. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I really do like the Colts, too. I, I'm looking for a spot to back them. AFC playoff race is really fascinating, though, because I really like the Colts, who just finally now are in the wildcard spot. They weren't before Sunday. The Chargers, we both like a lot at times. They're in a wildcard spot. The Bills, I think, are the last wildcard right now. All three of those teams are very live playoff teams. I think there's a decent chance that either the Colts or Bills, who I believe could win the AFC, I feel like one of those two teams is going to miss the playoffs because 
the, the, the playoff picture is so congested. The Colts need this game against the Patriots. They like, they might not make the playoffs. They don't win this game. So new England plays, I think Indy and then Buffalo, the next two. And these are really tough teams that could win the AFC. It's going to be really interesting to see the Patriots can, can like make their own playoff path easier. If they can sort of knock these teams, maybe out of the playoffs. I, I just think at some point they got to come down to earth. Uh, speaking of coming down to earth, I'm going to do, I'm going to commit treason on my other hot read, our last hot read for the day. I'm going to fade my own Minnesota Vikings. I'm playing both teams out of that Thursday night game. Minnesota comes to Chicago, my hometown Chicago area here. The Bears are four and a half point home underdogs. And I just think that that's insane. I don't know if this line is going to move heavily in either direction, but this century, the Bears, when they play the Vikings, of course, they play every year. The Bears have won 16 of 21 times in Chicago against the Vikings. This is the one spot. If you're a Vikings fan, you don't need any of the numbers. You know, we lose in Chicago. That's how it goes. It doesn't matter who's good, who's bad. doesn't matter what happens. The Vikings lose in Chicago. 12 of these 21 games are one-score games. A million percent of Vikings games are one-score games. 11, I think, games in a row right now are one-score games, are 11 out of the 12. The Vikings this entire century have won in Chicago by more than a field goal one time. Once the entire century against the Bears, who are terrible every year. And last year is when they did it against Nick Foles, and they needed a touchdown the last five minutes just to beat stupid Nick Foles on the road. The Vikings are terrible in the spot. It's Monday night. We're probably going to get some weather. It's just going to be one of those wonky, like anything can go games. And like, look what we saw from Chicago tonight. Look what we see from Minnesota. Literally every single game is it going to come down to things late. I don't know if I'll bet Chicago on the money line, but four and a half. Come on. Don't be crazy here. I got to take the points and Chicago at home against the Vikings. Look, this Vikings team, they've been inconsistent all year long. They can grab leads, but they really can't stop anybody. And I think Justin Fields showed us some stuff tonight. I don't really trust Nagy, but I just think this is too many points. I think this is a game that possibly the Bears could possibly win this game outright. So I agree with you here. For me, I'm actually going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think the reason this game stands out to me is because these two teams, they met in week three. The Chiefs were laying six and a half. Now we're down to three. And if you ask me, from that moment, these two teams have gone into two different directions. Kansas City Chiefs are by far the better team. They have the better defense at this point in time. And you look at the Chargers, they've been dealing with injuries to everybody. So this team can't really stop anybody defensively. And obviously you saw some sharp money hit the Giants this week. And a lot of that had to deal with the number and the fact that even Mike, people believe that Mike Glennon could actually go out there and cover 10 points against this Chargers team. They were missing Mike Allen, missing Keenan Allen. This team's had COVID outbreaks defensively, they could be run on, they could be passed on. I just think this number is way too short for where these two teams are now. Obviously, the Chiefs haven't really figured out things offensively, but I think their defense could do enough to slow down this Chargers team. They can win this game by field goal. There's some spots putting this line at three and a half, but at three minus 120, I'm I'm all over the Chiefs in this spot. I think they're 
making a push for the playoffs. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I definitely am excited to watch this game. This was one, and when I looked ahead on the lines, that I, I don't have a good read yet on this game. I have to look more into it. I do, though, I like the spot. I like betting against the Chargers in L.A. because we know there's no home field advantage there. It's going to be Chiefs fans in the stands in that game. Like, it's going to be a Chiefs home game, basically. So until the Chargers fix that problem, we're going to keep getting these kind of, like, fake home field line advantages. So you're getting... Like, if this was in Kansas City, this is nowhere near three points spread for Kansas City. Like, it's way higher in Arrowhead. So I think that the the home, you know, it's not the same as playing in Arrowhead in L.A., but I think you're getting a, a little bit of extra points there on the spread. So I like the angle there. And, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I picked the Chargers to beat the Chiefs back when they pulled that upset. That was one of my favorite upsets of this year. And then that started this whole cover, too, the, the two-deep safety thing. That was kind of started out of that Staley defense that game. But this is a very different Chiefs team now. And we're seeing them run the ball. We're seeing them defend. And suddenly, I'm not sure if the Chargers match up quite as well as I liked them the first time around. So I don't have a good read on that one. I definitely am not excited about the three and a half, if that's all that's available. But if you've got a three out there, I don't hate that one. Yeah, I definitely don't want to lay three and a half. But I just don't trust this Chargers team at this point. So... I, I kind of got to fade them. And I, I think this is a good spot to fade them. I didn't really want to, like, for me, I'm not, I'm not touching a backup quarterback with the Giants on the Chargers. <laughs> I know there was some sharp money on it, but I, I just think in today's NFL, you've got to have a, a capable quarterback. And I just wasn't willing to do it. But I think in this spot, I'm all over the Chiefs. Well, we got a fun week ahead. Some good weeknight football action. Rams, Cardinals on a Monday night. Chiefs, Chargers on a Thursday night. Clear your schedules. Get rid of those bowl games. We got real big boy football Monday and Thursday this week. Two really big playoff picture games. So I'm excited to watch those. And I'm excited to be back Friday to talk about the week 15 slate. Get you ready for everything there. That is going to wrap it up today at the Action Network podcast. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review if you haven't yet. Come back Wednesday night for Stucky and Raybon with their NFL betting guide six pack. And like I said, Raheem and I are back Friday. We'll get you some look-ahead picks, and we'll run through the Week 15 slate and get those big games in there. For Raheem Palmer, I'm Brandon Anderson, and this has been the Action Network Podcast. We are on to Week 15. Week 15.